Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Tech, episode 125, Polymon. Recorded February 11th, 2013, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Hi, everybody. It's good to be back. We missed a week because Sean was traipsing away in Austin, allegedly at a conference. I'm sure there was more barbecue than there was conference. But uh, hey, Sean, how's it going? Good, good. Yes, you're right. I did have some Stubbs barbecue while I was down there. It was very good. I thought of you the entire time with every bite. Well, uh, you know, not to be outdone, I made my own barbecue that weekend. So I uh, had a Super Bowl party and, and, and had some food. And so um, it's not the same as having it brought to you. But hey. Yeah, yeah. I actually, uh, because I was, uh, you know, I... I was leaving out uh, Monday after the Super Bowl, and so uh, I had plenty of packing to do. Um, I have to not only pack for myself, but I had to plan for a week of somebody else watching my kids, so uh, that was uh, quite a bit of extra work as well. So I literally had to cut out, you know, when the Super Bowl, when the lights went out in New Orleans? I had to cut out at that point. I, I I had too many things to accomplish. I was leaving at like five o'clock the next morning. So, uh, and the game seemed to be, you know, pretty much already yeah, well decided. in hand, right? Not right. So, so I was like, well, I might as well get to packing. And uh, then I saw the final score. I was like, man, I missed some good football. Yeah. My so. favorite tweet about that event was Will Farrell tweeted, how many blackouts does each team get? Because Baltimore could use one right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, with us this week to talk about Polymon is Mr. Bob Newman. Didn't want to ignore him there. He's sitting there patiently, politely. Yeah, uh, they're going to get to me eventually. He'll get over that. So, uh, hi, Bob. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for the warm welcome. Looking forward to talking about one of my favorites. Welcome to the show. Bob is a, is a Polymon prophet. That's what it says on his business card. I use it to tally my bananas, mostly. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a night of bad puns, I can tell. So, uh, Sean, tell us a little bit about TCEA this year. Since I didn't go, I need a full report. Okay, well, I won't go into too much detail because I was thinking, actually, if uh, uh, I can get into detail next week, that might be the topic of our show. Um, but, uh, one, I, you know, I started off... Uh, I actually went the entire week, so started off Monday at noon and uh, all the way through Friday at noon. Um, and I guess it was Tuesday. It just didn't seem as packed as I'm used to, to seeing it. I didn't go last year, which was the first year I had missed in several. But uh, so I had sent out a, like a, a, a tweet, you know, a social blast about, uh, you know, the halls being a little bit uh, lightly traveled. And I got jumped on immediately uh, by several people, you know. From well, TCEA, right? Right. It's early in the week and, uh, you know, uh, wait till Wednesday and Thursday and all this stuff. And I mean, sure enough, Wednesday and Thursday were more heavily traveled. Uh, a lot of people choose not to come down uh, the first couple of days. Um, well, technically, the convention doesn't start until Wednesday. I mean, I guess you could say that, but I mean, it was a full schedule from Monday on. You know, I was scheduled every minute, um, Monday and Tuesday. So, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I know historically it certainly really ramps up on. Well, Wednesday. that's when the convention, uh, the exhibit hall opens, and right, and that's when the keynote is the opening keynote. So right. technically, the opening of the show is Wednesday, and they've added other stuff on Monday and Tuesday as sort of precursors. Uh, yeah, well, I would say that's the vendor's point of view, right? <laughs> Uh, but there was plenty of great content to be had on Monday and Tuesday uh, as well. But either way, so Wednesday comes, and yeah, there's more people there. But, uh, Mark, I, I know you'll remember, it, or you probably remember numbers from years past, but this year, uh, and towards the end of the conference, they were making the great announcements about, you know, how many people are there, and it was 8,000, you know, over 8,000 people um, and I remember the last year I went, which, which was year before last, it was 13,000. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a significant drop and it's not, you know, it's not unheard of. Uh, there's every district is, you know, uh, in a budget crunch and, uh, having to dial back. So it wasn't exactly a surprise, but I kind of felt vindicated at the same time. I was like, aha, see, I was right. Yeah. Uh, so I think what we usually went down on Tuesday anyway. Right. So, right. Yeah. Budget cutbacks and, and, uh, you know, great people. When I left the state, people followed me. There was, you know, there was no reason yeah. to be in education in Texas anymore. That, yeah, <laughs> that's what I was actually thinking, for what yeah. it's worth. Yeah, when, yeah, when, the, when people found the, out that the the Element OP Empire wasn't going to be represented in full force at right. TCEA, they didn't see any reason to go. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Your your leaving was like the the hallmark of you know. Uh, horrible things to come well frankly i was a rat jumping off a sinking ship that's that's really what it was education in texas is has taken a hit over the last several years and and i got out while i could and you know well, it's a I'm, shame to say but that's the truth well yeah and i'm 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 the captain now holding on to the wheelhouse you know as it goes down now, now tell the truth they did have a moment of silence in honor of mark's departure right Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and they were up there, they're like, well, we were going to give tech director of the year to somebody else, but that fell through. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't say your name, Mark, but I knew who they were talking. Did about. they retire my jersey? <laughs> yeah. Tri triple zero. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> Excuse me. So anyway, <laughs> see, he's so emotionally choked up over it. He can't, yeah, he can't right. go on. Uh, so just, just a, a, a quick overview. Uh, I was down there with a couple of, uh, you know, sort of primary things I wanted to follow up on. on. Um, one was either starting a tech club or robotics program or both slash both or kind of getting the ball rolling on that in my district. And I got a lot of good information about that. So uh, you can look forward to hearing more details about that. Um, and there was a lot of, which I loved, uh, mobile app development. So uh, there, there's the usual offerings as far as, uh, you know, things for the classroom teacher uh, and, and whatnot. But uh, sometimes for the, the, the geek, you know, the, the non-classroom geek, uh, it can be a little bit challenging to find things that really are right up your alley. And there was plenty this year. So, uh, yeah, look forward for more details on that as well. I found out about some tools that I had already known about that have gotten better and some tools that I had never heard of. So, uh, that was really neat. Uh, another neat thing was I got to meet up with a listener, sometimes contributor, uh, Mr. Chuck Jolly down there. 
also so. known as Nightstar in our chat room. Right, right. So that was that was really neat to see him and uh, met up with him before a session that we were both uh, we were both going into, and we had a good little talk, and then uh, we ended up in another session later on. Uh, so so that was nice. And I was sorry that I missed Mr. Jim Beeson. So uh, Jim Beeson was in Round Rock, which is uh, not very far from Austin. And uh, uh, we were kind of hoping to hook up, but uh, my schedule was so full, there was just uh, no way to, to get away. I had already overcommitted. So uh, so sorry I missed you, Jim. And uh, maybe we can do it another time. So did you see anything cool? You know, we kind of promised when you left that you might uh, get some man-on-the-street type interviews or, or something like that. And uh, I, I never heard a peep out of you. So either you yeah, were too busy there, drinking there, on 6th Street or uh, or you just didn't see anything all that interesting. Well, I, I think I saw a quote, and this was by Mr. Tim Holt, who is a... Um, El Paso ISD. Right. And I don't think he's a tech director. I think he's like a director of instructional technology or, or, or something like that for his district. But a very well-known and well-respected uh, tech guy in the state. And he said that he didn't see anything revolutionary this year at TCEA, but he saw a lot of things that were evolutionary. Right. So just talking about kind of the same old stuff that we're used to seeing, but it's, it's you know, progressed along a little bit more in the last year. And I think that was pretty accurate. I didn't see anything, quite honestly, there uh, that was just like, wow, I've never seen that before. We got to do that, you know. Um, it was a lot of the same old stuff, but... Uh, but it was interesting. It, it's really interesting uh, to see. I, I think this last year was the year that we really saw um, a large shifting toward uh, mobile, just mobile devices overall. Uh, you could see it in the people that were there at the convention. Um, it was the first year for me that I saw that there were more people, certainly more, I mean, probably nine to one uh, people with iPads versus laptops. Um, so, yeah, and, and, you know, and you're seeing that in the, in the schools as well. So uh, it's, it's interesting to see the, that kind of wave uh, moving across every, you know, the whole demographic. All right. And, it sounded like there was going to be more to that. I no, that's really, that's really it. I mean, it, it's, I mean, it got me to thinking. I mean, it, it's it's kind of hard, you know, when you see these leading school districts that have these huge budgets uh, moving in that direction and everything seems to be, you know, going there. Um, you know, it's kind of hard not to jump on your surfboard and ride the wave, but when you don't have the budget that can support it, all you can do is, you know, sort of be mindful of it and know that hopefully what that means is that all of that stuff eventually will budget-wise drop down to where you right. can afford it as a small, poor school district. Well, the iPad and devices like it have come a long way since, you know, they first came out and, and we, you know, we, we are on record as not being fans of tablet devices as the sole computing platform, but uh, they're getting closer all the time. Right. Um, and like, for example, the new Windows Surface Pros, those really are laptops with touchscreens. Uh, and so I think they're going to push the market more in that direction. Uh, as as people start creating Android tablets and even Linux tablets to compete with that. So, you know, not this year or not next year, but probably in the next four to five years, you're going to see 
fully functional slate type devices that are finally living up to the promise of the iPad generation one. You know, the promises were made that couldn't be upheld by the technology at the time. Now the technology is beginning to catch up with the promise. Right. And we start checking off the list of, you know, there's certain things that uh, kind of required you to have a traditional computer or laptop, uh, things like Microsoft Office, uh, some of your heavier duty programs, the Adobe Suite and things like that. And uh, I think as you see those things one by one start shifting into having cloud offerings and, and things like that. And then you also have the tablets becoming more powerful. Uh, I mean, I do think it's it's the direction we're moving. Uh, but I think there's going to be quite a disparity there between, uh, you know, the rich and the poor. Uh, there's going to be districts that are going to be several years ahead of other districts because there's going to be districts like mine that can't afford to just overnight, uh, you know, buy a thousand iPads. Nice. Let, me, let me jump in here and ask a quick question. All right. One of the things that, that uh, traditionally has been, uh, has kind of leveled the playing field is, you know, especially some of the, Unix, uh, POSIX, uh, OSs, and, and projects have had a hobbyist base that then turned into enterprise. So something like a school district with a limited budget could, could go back the hobbyist route, could kind of pick something up at its roots and, and manipulate it, use it for their own purposes, that kind of thing. With all of these um, handheld devices, the iPads and such, everything being held in the cloud, is there even a way to do it on the cheap slash free? There are ways, but they don't compare. I mean, for example, <clears throat> I've been looking for a truly open and in-house alternative to Google Docs since Google Docs came out. And sure. it's just not there yet. Um, you know, there are some open, like, the, for example, Ubuntu is really pushing uh, the, uh, the mobile interface really well so that you're going to have tablets with with open source operating systems but they're still going to be thousand dollar tablets so, right you know that 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 is an issue that you can't go out and cobble together a tablet like you can uh a, a desktop you know there's no there's no tiger direct for tablet components yet and, 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 and it's and it's still tied into somebody else's infrastructure right? right i mean they may give the service away for free a la you know gmail but you're still on their dime, and if they choose to change their terms of service, then that's that. So my answer to that is, if there is enough of a demand for it, the community will step up. Mm. Uh, and the reason that there isn't is that the technologies we have meets the demand we have. Sure. Um, you know, the, the, the slate-type mobile devices uh, fill an, a niche, but they fill, they fill that niche well. Nobody's clamoring for anything else. So there isn't anything else. Right. Well, um, you know, I, I think at their price point right now, uh, when we can, I think uh, price-wise, it's really not so, is really not the big problem with these devices. It's what they can do for that price. And so I think we're going to have a, a convergence there where uh, prices are probably not going to get a whole lot cheaper because, uh, you know, they're probably not far off of where they could be anyway. Uh, but I think we're going to get a lot more functionality. They will more and more uh, fit the need of the district or uh, a company or whatever. They'll be more full functioning. Um, I don't know that I agree with that statement, Sean. I think that as the devices are more commoditized, 
uh, they're going to be much more disposable. I mean, you can get a $100 seven-inch tablet now. That was unheard of five years ago. Uh, oh, well, sure, you know. but you know, uh, but not one that's going to be as functional as the $400 right, tablet. Right, but give it a year, uh, and the, the $400 one now will be 100 next year. Uh, you know, or not, not next year, but little, in yeah, a couple of years, a little quick, but I think, uh, $200 is probably a, a, a fairly decent spot where I think you're going to have a pretty powerful tablet, you know, again, like you said, in a few years, uh, but you know, $200, you know, maybe a hundred, maybe right. we get down that far, but of course we're going to have inflation over time. But, yeah, uh, started in the way. chat room brings up, by the way, when you were talking about the limitations and the things you can't do with a, a tablet he mentions anything that requires typing i have beat that drum myself a number of times that you just can't do uh any meaningful data entry on a uh a keyless pad a, a touch keypad i no longer believe that i believe that i can't do it but i have seen my kids go to town on these things um and they're just as good on a touch screen as they are on a keyboard and admittedly, they're young, so they're not great on either of them. But well, I was going to say, let me. They might be just as good on a touchscreen as they are on a keyboard, but I assure you, they're not as good as I am on a keyboard. Right, but they're going to grow up both ways, right? So as their skills develop in one area, they're going to develop in the other. So I, I, I no longer believe that is the impediment I once thought it was. Well, and not only that, Mark, but um, and I know, I know we've we've made fun of this in the past, but I have. Uh, for my iPad, I have a Zagfolio case that's got the Bluetooth keyboard integrated right in. Right. Um, you know, if I'm just so you using have a laptop. Play, yeah, essentially. Um, but I mean, that's but that's the argument people make, and it's just not. It's to me, it's not a valid argument because I do it. It's just as mobile a device. Uh, adds hardly any weight or size to the thing. Um, and you know when i'm just playing a game or watching some media or something like that then it's a then it's an ipad uh but when i need to type something in just like uh, at the conference you know if i wanted to make some notes on a comp on one of the sessions i was in or whatever i just flipped the keyboard on and got to typing away so um i you know i just don't see that i mean the only thing i'm missing on that device now uh is when i have to do something with those you know those heavy lifting apps um you know anything uh, again anything adobe adobe or uh, microsoft office or whatever and you know apple would love for you to you know i know they have the apps that supposedly will give you that word uh functionality but uh they're not full they're not fully functioning but uh, again the gap is being bridged i don't think we're too far away from a device that's uh, gonna meet pretty much most of those needs i mean unless unless you're just there, I think there's always going to be need, be a need for you know there's always going to be a more powerful machine than what you can put in a tablet, and there's going to be people that need that stuff. But I think there's a large portion of our population that doesn't need that. Just a quick aside here, Sean. There are five people in the Google Doc right now, and you are three of them. Do you ever close a window? Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's up at work. It's up at my laptop in the kitchen, and it is now up at my uh, recording studio. So you, yes, you are right. aware that there's an X in the corner, right? Yeah, you don't I have well, to leave them know. open all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I bounce around. You know, I'm a busy guy. <laughs> well, let's move on and not keep the other busy guy waiting too much longer, and let's talk a little bit about Polymon. Um, and so I, uh, I'm going to give my 
uh, rudimentary understanding of Polymon, and then Bob is going to tell me how I'm wrong. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll go from there. Uh, One of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> you're very good at it. Um, Polymon is essentially a stub for measuring stuff. If it can be measured, Polymon knows how to measure it and report on it. But Polymon itself is pretty dumb. You have to tell it what to do. That's my understanding of Polymon. So, Bob, go. Yeah, that's pretty close to it. Uh, you know, it's funny because most of the uh, measuring frameworks are called network monitoring systems. Um, but most of them have actually come well past the network portion of it. But uh, what grew out of, of a need to monitor um, network-specific metrics, uh, various links, um, the speed, the throughput, the, the up or down status of a network device. Uh, and, and there are several out there. Um, users may be familiar with Nagios. Uh, of course, the Microsoft official version is called MSCOM, System Center Operations Manager. Um, there's a few others, Zabbix, Zen OSS, uh, things along those lines. So Polymon is one that's built on the Microsoft stack. Uh, Polymon itself is open source, but it works strictly with a Microsoft SQL server backend. So, so it won't work with MySQL? Correct. Uh, because it's written with specific uh, Microsoft Store procedures, um, that uh, I'm, I'm not saying it'd be impossible to read the store procedure and port it, but it's certainly not ready to do that out of the box. Um, so other than the cost of running, you know, a, a SQL server, it's free. Um, but yeah, you, you've got it pretty close. It, it, is an, it is an automated tool to make repeated measurements of almost any kind of metric you can imagine and then take actions based on what it finds. Um, the simplest action is to change the, the color of a dashboard or you know the, uh, a ribbon on the dashboard as it were. Uh, uh, the next obvious simple action is to send an email. And finally, you can run a, um, uh, based on the results of a, of a monitor result, you can run a PowerShell or VB script so that if it's something that you can predictably um, rectify by a script or, or you know, whatever other process that it would need to be launched, then you can do that as well. All right. So, Bob, if I've got um, a Windows server license laying around, um, would uh, the SQL Express, their free uh, server, be good enough? Or would, do I need to pony up for the actual SQL full-on guy? You know, I'm not sure I can answer that. I've only tried to run it on on uh, on the full version. Um, I'm not aware of any features. Uh, SQL Express. I know you're limited on on the um, the SQL Manager, and I don't think you can run. Um, there's no SQL Agent component to it. But I think Polymon could run without either of those. So I think I think it's possible, at least in theory. All right. So basically, we've just described a toolbox. And there's a, there's a box with some wrenches and some sockets in it. Now well, let's talk about the cool stuff. What can you do with that toolbox? 
Well, sure. So, so let, let's take the, the easiest thing that Polymon can do. And, and incidentally, what I started with Polymon. Uh, I'm a, uh, I have um, 20 or 30 sites that I used to be responsible for users at these various sites. And I would often get a call that my application was down. And uh, one of the first things I would say to the user is, can you open up Google.com? No, I can't open that. Can you uh, refresh your email inbox? No, I can't do that either. Okay, so the application is not down. Your site's link is down. And so I originally ran Polymon uh, in order to use one of its built-in functions, which is a network link monitor. And it's pretty straightforward. It, it captures the, um, the uh, RTT, uh, the, the round-trip time, the, the latency of the link, if you will. And it alerts if either, it's, it's configurable, but you can either alert it based on the RTT being too high of a value, of course, if the link won't respond to a ping at all. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's a very rudimentary function. You enter in an IP address, you enter in a threshold of a, what you consider to be a valid RTT, and, and you tell it how often to check. Polymon expresses everything in terms of um, cycles. So a standard cycle is 30 seconds. So if you check every cycle, then that's every 30 seconds. If you check every two cycles, the, the math wizards out there will be able to, to reply that that's every 60 seconds. And that's almost and it, a minute, right? That's pretty close, I think. It is right around a minute. And if it needs to be every 57 minutes, well, you could do some calculation and and report back to me, you know, what a cycle setting should be. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so, and, and, and the cycles itself is configurable. Uh, 30 seconds is the default. It's what I've always used. But you could set it, you know, certainly in theory less uh, and, and if necessary more. So, uh, so like I say, that, that's the easiest thing you can do with Polymon. But then I moved into Polymon can also speak WMI. So the Windows, Windows Management Instrumentation. And, you know, from there, those of you who have done any playing with it with uh, Windows Administration, uh, you know, that exposes a whole lot of um, workings, uh, a whole lot of the inner, inner Windows workings. Um, it also speaks Perfmon. And so, you know, looking at a SQL Server, you may want to know, you know, how is my processor doing through the day? What is my average disk queue length? Um, you know, how full are my hard drives? Uh, uh, you know, those kinds of, of metrics. So, And, of course, it, any machine you can reach out to across a link and log into, you can ask these questions of. It doesn't have to be on the machine running Polymon, right? And that's exactly it. And, and the Polymon philosophy is that the executive machine the, the executive meaning um, Polymon has a core executor server that executes monitor actions. Every so many cycles, this machine runs this check. It reaches out and talks to another machine and, and asks it a question, as it were. Um, so it's, it's not, it's not, you don't have to install a client on the remote machines. You don't really even have to configure them at all. So long as you have network rights for this core machine's the ID that's running a service on this core machine, then it can reach out to, um, in theory, an unlimited number of machines. 
if you get up around 400, I, I've, I've had up to around 400 concurrent monitors. And that's where you start getting some contention and you might want to consider spinning up a second instance of Polymon. Um, to have this executor check those kinds of things and have this other executor report other kinds of things. Now, can those two instances talk to each other across a single dashboard? Not a single dashboard, but the uh, the SQL database can be on the same server. And in fact, um, one of Polymon's uh, abilities is to execute a, a SQL store procedure and report on the results. So what I've done, I do, I actually run three dashboards at work, and I I have some Polymon monitors that actually uh, punch through all three of those other dashboards and say, tell me if any of the dashboards have the following condition and, and, and report that up to me uh, by email or, or by my main dashboard or whatever. Now, so, now, when you say at work, without we're not going to mention the, the company for which you work, but uh, just to give a sense of scale, it is a large, multi-million dollar, multi-site enterprise. Um, absolutely. And, and, and to, give you, to give you an idea there again of the scale, um, and, and one of the next places I'm going is, is using PowerShell to, to as, as the um, Polymon. You, you can write any PowerShell script you want and, and run the, Polymon will run the script and then report on the result. And um, I, I've written a PowerShell script that's actually I've com- contributed to the, uh, to the Polymon website. You can find it out there on CodePlex that will do a basic health check of a SQL server. And it will report, has the daily backup finished within the last 24 hours? Have transaction logs run within the last X minutes? Are there any databases on the server that have not been backed up within X number of days? Um, you know, so, some of these kind of things that a, that a SQL admin wants to know on a routine basis. And I have Polymon looking at about 120 of those servers. So every morning when I get to work, if any of those 120 servers did not complete its overnight backup or did not finish uh, successfully finish an integrity check of the databases, it's, uh, that server's stripe is sitting there yellow, pointing it out to me. We have a question in the chat room. What version of PowerShell uh, can you use with Polymon? The, it's, uh, it's 2.0 is, is what is uh, natively rolled into it. Um, I know that PowerShell, uh, a newer version, has come out since then. So, full disclosure, here's the downside to, to Polymon. It has not been developed for, uh, I think the last new release was in 2010. So, it's getting a little long in the tooth. Um, you know, as, as we go down the road, I'm not sure at what point it will, it will cease to be um, a viable product based on advances. But at the moment, it's the perfect tool for what I need, and it ain't broke, so I'm not fixing it. So let's talk about some of the languages it speaks, right? So you've already mentioned WMI and uh, the average TCP stuff, ping, whatever, uh, but there's also uh, SNMP, so you can talk to your network devices. Um, you can talk to almost anything uh, that the Windows device manager is aware of. Uh, how Unix, Linux, Mac aware is it? Okay, so... Natively, it's not Mac aware or, or Unix aware at all. However, uh, I'm doing a whole bunch of Unix stuff with it by using a PowerShell uh, uh, module that that basically spins up on the fly an SSH uh, session. So it SSHs into the server using a pre-shared key, 
executes a, um, a shell script, hands the result of the shell script back to PowerShell, and then PowerShell, you know, acts on it from there. So at so that point, you can you can tail a file, you can anything you can do uh, in a, in a bash session. Uh, the PowerShell is not aware of really what's doing; it's just reporting back to you, right? Exactly right. So, so as a, as a for instance, I have a a process where a, a cache database is being integrity checked every day, and the second to last line, uh, if everything is good, the second to last line says no integrity errors were detected. So, I have a uh, a Polymon agent that begins running at 6 a.m. and I only have, I only have it run between 6 and 8 a.m. because it's really only I only care about first thing in the morning. And it, um, it it goes out and, and checks that uh, uh, the end of that log and then reports back to me if uh, if that line does not say there were no integrity errors reported. So it's it's just doing a string search at that point. It doesn't really care what's going on. It's just looking for a string, and then you can make that meaningful to you. Absolutely, and and you know I I have mine fancified out just a little bit. If um, if it doesn't find that string, then I go ahead and have it find the lines that do describe the error. And in fact, I have it parse out the Unix command that will rerun the check for the specific subset of the database that you know that that it found a potential issue. So what I actually have Polymon report back to me, not just I found a problem, but I found a problem in this data set in this specific global. And in parentheses, if you'll run this line in the Unix shell, it will recheck that specific global of that data set. Which, you know, none of that is absolutely necessary, but it saves me having to remember the uh, the proper um, shell command. And so can, let's, let's be honest here. When something goes wrong, you have a Star Trek klaxon go off and a red light, don't you? Uh, <laughs> One of my favorite things that I've been able to do with Polymon is by using the action script uh, at the end of um, using the action script at the end of a monitor. Um, I have PowerShell launch a VB script that tells my computer to play a WAV file. So um, one thing in particular, I have a large SQL installation. That um, you know, we have about 2,500 users at peak, and if there is ever a block in that SQL database, that brings potentially 2,500 users to a standstill. So one of my Polymon uh, monitors checks for: Are there any SQL blocks in this database? And if the answer is ever yes, it immediately has a. Uh, we have a, a computer with a 52-inch monitor on the wall. And the computer that's driving that monitor plays over that TV's speaker, warning, SQL blockage detected. And, uh, it's great for the execs because they're kind of wowed by the tech, but it really does have a point because unlike a lot, you know, a SQL blockage with, at, at that kind of a, of a situation, it's literally something where a 30-second response is important. Right. Even a five-minute response is very, very late for that particular issue. So, whose so, whose voice did you use? Well, there's a lot of choices out there. <laughs> um, 
say <laughs> to you this my favorite voice in theory is the AT&T uh, text-to-speech engine that, that you can find out on the web. Now, that is not licensed for commercial use, so I would never use it without buying their products, so that one was not available to me. But that one would be my favorite if it were an option. I understand completely. <laughs> now you just need to get an Arduino and like wire it to uh, like a, a police light or something. <laughs> <laughs> have all the lights turn off and have this red siren going around. What is it? Yeah. You're obsessed with with police sirens. Do you have one in the closet that you're oh, just we're looking gonna put to one, use? We're going to put one up in the office for for. Uh, we're, we're talking about wiring one up and uh, whenever new tickets come in, have a go. I know. You, you've mentioned that before, which is why I wonder what the yeah. obsession is. It's like were you were you a, a frustrated DJ? You've got a red one and a blue one that used to sit out on the speakers on the dance no, floor. I'm thinking more like you know the military, like all hands on deck type of thing. <laughs> He said the, the submarine clacks on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Like I say, it's a great wow factor when uh, when you're when you're showing it off to the uh, to the execs and, and the the people that are um, you know writing the checks for the for the tech that you say that you need. And this particular piece of tech cost essentially zero. And, and to be able to have that kind of um, uh, you know, ear on the pulse of your users, ear on the pulse. Okay, finger on the pulse, ear. <laughs> whatever. Mixing my metaphors, but you get the idea. All right, Sean. We we went way down geeky the the geeky yellow brick road there. Do you have any questions for for uh, for Bob that aren't uh, seventh level Uber nerd stuff? Well, I just had a question. Uh, I know they have a an RT version, so real time version. Are is there, I mean, are you, it sounds like you're doing real-time monitoring. So are you using the RT version or, or is it just the regular Polymon version? And can you explain kind of what the difference is there? Sure. I've, I've played with the RT version a little bit. The, the whole point of the RT project is that it's merely a real-time graphical display of the data. So the, the guy who wrote Polymon, a guy named Fred Baptiste, he wrote a, um, basically a, a configurable set of dials, gauges, graphs, that you can tie to any numeric data source, and it will just display it real time. So, for instance, you might set up a um, a um, an analog gauge, kind of like a speedometer, tachometer kind of thing, that's tied to the number of users logged into your system. Um, you you might tie a, a, a an analog gauge to your CPU utilization, you know that kind of thing. It's merely yeah. a dis. Play, uh, a bandwidth, you know, wh wh whatever, whatever numerical metric is going to be uh, meaningful to you. It, the deal with Polymon is all the results are not only acted on immediately and, and not only does it change the dashboard, but everything is saved permanently um, so that you can look at trending over time. The real T, the RT product, it does not save anything in a database, actually doesn't even use a database. It merely uh, reads um, a numeric metric and displays it for you graphically. Bob, how long have you been using Polymon at your uh, your enterprise? I put it in in about 2005. All right, so six, seven to eight years, depending on what time of year it was, uh, yeah. and you've been monitoring uh, hundreds of devices. How big is that database? How is it? Does it get unwieldy and unmanageable after a while? 
know, I got I got to give kudos to the developer Fred Baptiste. Not only did he write the uh, the process to capture it, but he wrote a really nice data rollup plan. And and uh, once a week it runs a job that rolls everything up by the day and and as appropriate by the week and then by the month. So I can still look back at data from 2005, but my stuff from 2005, I can only see monthly values. I can see weekly values back for two years, and then I can see daily ba values back for 90 days. So the, the actual size of the data in all that time, I, I have three different databases, and the three of them are, are under 20 gig for all three. Wow. Yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah, he, he um, did a job, you know, looking forward. I, I'm kind of curious. I mean, it doesn't sound like it would take a lot of resources, but what kind of hardware does it take to run one of these boxes? And are uh, you, you know, are you running any in VMs uh, or, or is it just straight, uh, you know, actual hardware? Um, are you running multiple instances on the same box? Yeah, so, so what I've done is I, I have a single SQL server that is a mid-grade server. I think it's um, okay. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm revealing my bias here. It's a four processor server with about eight gig of RAM. It, it's mid grade to me. It may not be mid grade to everybody, but um, and and that is doing all the database and one of the executive uh, services. And then I have a couple uh, XP VMs that are each doing the other executive work. Um, the the executive service really isn't a lot of resources. It's really um, uh, and I I bounce the things once every three or four months just for good measure. Um, but uh, I, I very very seldom have to interfere with them. Um, and then the uh, the database itself, um, it's all that's on that server. Uh, I'd, I'd have to do some digging around to to get a feeling for. You know whether or not it's being hammered, whether or not it would support these databases plus a bunch of other ones. But my overall impression is it's not a resource hog. So if you're just monitoring a couple dozen servers, a thousand dollar base box will do just fine. Easy as pie. Yeah, yeah. And so and and I've talked a lot about um, uh, about using PowerShell. PowerShell is kind of my new favorite way to go about, frankly, all of these. Um, and there again, if, if you look at uh, another thing I submitted to the CodePlex site is a, a, a single PowerShell script that will capture, I think it's 12 uh, Perfmon counters that are meaningful to a SQL Server uh, admin regarding performance. I based it off of a uh, how-to that Brent Ozar wrote, you know, basically about kind of a high-level view of here's, here's what to look at for a SQL Server for performance. And so this one PowerShell script captures all of those counters, you know, pretty much automatically. You enter in a host name and say go, and it starts capturing all those perfmon for you, and of course trending it, you know, and, and displaying it graphically, you know, over time. So that you can kind of with a glance, you can see that, you know, on Tuesdays at eleven AM, here's where my processor's at, here's my average disk queue length, here's my disk idle time. Here's my reads per second, writes per second, etc. And I, I'm assuming that probably if you go to the site, you're going to find kind of other collections of scripts that are going to help out people depending on uh, you know specific types of jobs. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And you know, it is the kind of thing 
you know, uh, the difference between Polymon and an off-the-shelf product is it is not out-of-the-box configured to do any specific thing for you. you. You do need to understand what you're trying to accomplish and, and be able to, um, to hack, you know, hack your way. And, and my approach is always find somebody who did almost what I want and cut out the things I don't want and add in a couple things I do and voila, I've written a script, you know. Um, but, you know, it, it is incumbent upon the user to, to uh, have some idea of what they're actually trying to accomplish and, and be able to hack their way through it. So, in that sense, Polymon is much weaker than some of the enterprise products. On the other hand, the enterprise products do what they're sold to do and nothing and if you need any specific thing for them to do, you're just out of luck. Um, uh, and, and one that I have a lot of experience with uh, by Adara, uh, Diagnostic Manager, it's a really nice product. It does a lot of stuff, but it only does what it was configured to do out of the box. And, and if your use case is not exactly the same as whoever developed the product, well, you know, live with it. That's, that's, that's kind of your only option. And so, uh, although I have Diagnostic Manager available to me at my enterprise, I I have to tell you, I, my my favorite is uh, is the Polymon way because it's heavier lifting to get it configured. But once it's configured, it's precisely what I want. So you're a server guy, so you're talking about server uh, sort of tasks. But I'm envisioning setting up a box here and having it pull all of my switches across the network every you know couple of minutes. And, and looking at data trends and see where I need to add uh, wireless bandwidth or where, you know, if I've got a switch that's getting overloaded uh, because this lab over here in the east wing comes up and it can't handle it or I've got one link that's being overloaded but not all the time, you know, because when I was, you know, when I was in school, when I was running an enterprise, um, I would hear all the time, you know, the, somebody would say every day uh, when I go into this lab at two o'clock in the afternoon, Nothing ever works. You know, of course, that's the only thing they ever say. Nothing ever works. Right. Um, you know, the lights don't work, the chairs fall apart, and the tables break. But uh, you know, nothing ever works. Um, but that Polymon seems like a way to to sort of chase out some of the ghosts in the machine. You can uh, because almost every device uh, rec- recognizes SNMP uh, packets, but if not, you know, they even they have a web interface, right? And and Polymon can can uh, can pull that URL. Uh, through something similar to to curl or whatever that's that's what I understand I don't know PowerScript but something like that can parse that can can do that so you can have a look at your network you can literally be standing everywhere all at one time looking at exactly what's going on in your network uh, at any given point and then roll that back and chart chart the data and trend it and know where you need to beef up know where you're oversaturated uh, and it sounds sounds like a great little uh, tool for you know virtually no money every enterprise has a windows box laying around somewhere uh so you know and it doesn't sound like it takes a lot of overhead so you know maybe not throw it on your primary domain controller but if you've got like a print server set up somewhere throw sql on that and let polymon do some work for you and 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 it's been really nice uh in in my uh, experience um to go ahead and set up some of these monitors proactively uh to to just set the um uh the watchdog as it were and then when you get a user complaint, uh, like you say, the user calls up and says, hey, between 10.30 and 11, everything was terrible. Well, you can actually go look at the 10.30 to 11 time frame 
and and look at some of the relative uh, metrics. How was the server doing? You know, was was the uh, was the CPU pegged? You know, wh- how were the disks responding? What about the router between here and there? You know, how much uh, how many packets was it passing per hour? You know, that kind of thing. And and be able to even looking backwards have some feeling for how things were, because um, you you know like you say the ghost in the machine. Well, my car is not running right, and I pull into the mechanic's uh, parking lot, and now it's running great. Right. But to goodness, five minutes ago it was terrible, and and there's nothing he can do to help. Well, with with something like Polymon set up, and watching some of the key metrics then you do in fact have, you know, you have captured these things and, and you can review them later if you need them. I, I'm excited and I don't have any use for it anymore. You know, <laughs> I should have had you on the show two years ago and then I'd be all excited. All right, well, well let me- I'm excited, but I know it's going to mean a heck of a lot more work for me to get at what I want than it would you, Mark. <laughs> I, I am available for consultation. Uh, my fees are quite reasonable well that's why i went back to that question about you know uh as many custom pre-made scripts i could just copy and paste out of the website i'll be glad to do um but uh yeah just another thing to add to the list to play around with at at the very least uh i don't think i need any real high level stuff but like you said mark i think there's some uh use cases like that that uh will really help out when you've got kind of an arm of your network that is acting kind of funny or you're at least getting a lot more complaints about yeah Yeah, it's some work to set up but at the end of the day it really does extend you It, it it allows you to um to keep an eye on things without having to go physically, you know, check them on a routine schedule. It, it, it allows you to, to have some degree of uh, confidence that if, if such and such uh, application throws an error in its log, I will be let know before the user calls and complains. Uh, I'm assuming it could send you an email, maybe a text message, maybe even activate a phone call. Uh, it, it, it doesn't currently have a phone call capability, but, uh, Email and text message are kind of one and the same thing, uh, as long as your um, your cell provider supports a right a um you know a anyway face sure. Um, but there again, I um I've I've often used the the PowerShell uh, post action script. Um, for instance, you can you can use PS Exec from Sysinfo's, and you can have your workstation run an app if there's a problem. You know what I'm saying? Your workstation can pop up a window and say there appears to be an issue even if you don't have the Polymon interface running at that moment. Cool. Sean, any other questions or comments? No, I think that's it. I, I'm I'm enlightened now. Uh, when Mark, I know when you first mentioned this, I, the first words that came to mind were what what's polymon so i had never heard of it before was completely unfamiliar with it uh when you go to the uh what is it codeplex that it's hosted at uh yeah. site it's um it's they, they, know, bland yeah it's definitely bland and and i was just trying to take what they had written there and really figure, you know, it, it just wasn't real detailed. And I can see why now, now that we've been talking about it, they can't be really detailed. I mean, it, it does, it, the possibilities are almost endless. So how can they list them? Um, what, what, my favorite part about the site is you go there 
and there's the Polywine logo, and there are um, six, seven, eight big buttons, all right? Home, yeah. that's a big button. Source code, that's a big button. Downloads, that's a big button. Documentation, literally the biggest button on the page. You click it, this project does not have any documentation yet. <laughs> We've seen that before, haven't we? It, it, it's, it, it definitely has a, a DIY flavor, but um, th- think of it as hiring a very faithful um, flunky who will execute your will on a predefined interval forever and, and, then, and then take the actions you instruct him or her to take. Wow. That's, that's almost frightening. Well, and it's, you know, so if, if you train that person well, they yeah. can just about do your job for you pseudo make me a sandwich <laughs> precisely uh cool all right so let's move on uh, to um the tip of the week which sean uh sean has a very clever and appropriate tip of the week sean what's your tip of the week this week my tip of the week this week mark is polymon tell you us about find- polymon i've never heard of that uh yeah it's one of those shows right like the whole show was the tip of the week but i will tell you that you can find polymon uh like i found it just put polymon p-o-l-y-m-o-n into google and uh, it'll be the the first thing that returns or if you prefer the the old method uh it's polymon.codeplex.com you can find it there and find out more information and download it and try it out yourself sean i know you've seen it because you're you know, in a school. But um, w- one of my favorite things to watch kids do was they'll pop up um, Firefox, which was the default browser. And over there on the on the right-hand side, there's the search window that is set to Google. And they will right. type the word Google and hit enter <laughs> so that they go to the Google website to do their search. Yes. Yeah. It's funny to watch teenagers do that. It's, you know, you almost expect it when you're talking about, uh, 40, 50 year old teachers, but when you see a teenager do that, uh, it's kind of disheartening. Hey, I'm 40 years old. Find the Google if you don't search for it. That's right. Oh, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's funny, but uh, or funny is when, when you Google Google, you get a, an ad sponsored link. At the top. <laughs> Define recursion. Uh, do that sometime. Go to Google and type recursion and see what happens. It's pretty funny. Uh, so anyway, um, we'll we'll move on there uh, to the the ways you can contact us. If you have a question uh, for Bob about Polymon, I can pass it on to him. Um, he actually is uh, kept in a secret bunker deep underground uh, with only. Uh, with only uh, one line for both air and communications, uh, so we don't uh, we don't I can't just give you his email address. But if you send it to me, uh, Mark at com, I can send it on to him. Uh, he gets uh, hourly drops uh, of cigarettes and um, new orders uh, from from the uh, the command center. Um, uh, but go to elementopi.com, click the contact us button right at the top of the page. Uh, that will take you to a handy form that you can fill out, and, and that will come to me. If you'd like to be on the show in a very real way, you can leave us a voicemail. You can pick up your phone uh, and call. Did you know phones call? Believe it or not, you can make a phone call on a phone. Did you know that? Nice. <laughs> you know, I saw a great graphic earlier today. It's uh, the, the standard AT&T push-button phone from about 1978, you know, with the rounded right. handset. And... uh 
the, the, the graphic of the picture said, this icon is for students for a phone, and none of them knew what it meant. Right. Yeah, it's just, it's funny. When you think about all the things you do with a phone throughout the day, phone calls are way down on the list. Yeah. Um, but if you happen to to know how to make a phone call, pick it up and call 559-IAM-OPI. That's our Google uh, voicemail account, and you can leave a, a message there, uh, and we will play it on the air. Or if you don't know how to work a phone, go to our website on your phone at elementop.com, and up at the top of the page, there's a leave us a voicemail widget. Uh, type your number there, and Google Voice will call you. You still have to answer the phone. Uh, but then you can leave us a voicemail. Uh, there's also the forums. There's the Google Plus community. We're all over the place. F- Facebook, Twitter. I don't know. Is there a LinkedIn, Sean? Did you ever set that up? Is there a LinkedIn profile? No, not a LinkedIn. But uh, yes, the the global overtake is well underway. Yeah, I think I think we have a MySpace page out there somewhere. Look for a blinking background and MIDI music that plays as soon as you land on it. Um, that'll be ours. It's It's unique in that way. There aren't any others on MySpace like that. Love it, yeah. Uh, and so I don't think I have anything else to say about the show. Sean, how about yourself? Well, I will have to say, uh, when we take Geek Factor into effect, this was absolutely a great show. All right, <laughs> thanks for that comment. Bob, thanks for being with us. You are a, a it's scholar been a pleasure. and a gentleman. And uh, we hope to have you back next week. And so on behalf of Bob Newman, I'm going to say this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs>